Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Sour and Stats. I am very excited today. We're being joined by the CMO of Apps Flyer, Ran Avrahami. Welcome to the show, Ran. Excited to have you. Hey, Garrett. What's up? Looking forward to eating some candy. <laughs> okay, so everybody tuning in right now, we weren't able to get the sour candy to Israel. No. Nope. But we got something far more diabolical. I've never heard of this. Rand was showing it to me. Rand, you want to show everybody what your workroom looked over there? So the tagline is Dare to Compare. And it, it is a very old, by the way, it's like four years old, uh, being boozled. <laughs> oh. So it's jelly beans that had two types of uh, candies. I got it from from uh, from an ex-team member of ours, John. Thank you, John, for bringing this to my life. Uh, so for a reason, I'm noticing. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so you um, you lift the lid, you lower the lid, and a, a bean magically appears. And then you have so for each color, if you can see this here, you have two options. So, for example, for the black one, you get either a chocolate pudding, and the same exact color, you get a canned dog food. Oh, uh, one, uh, this is a good one. It has the label new. Um, yeah. Strawberry banana smoothie or dead fish. Oh, no. Okay, we got to get into this, Rand. So, we're going to have you do one, and I'm going to start with sour candy, and then we're going to start the interview. Right. Are you ready? But look, look, um, I don't know if, we, if, if this show has an insurance. This is very old, and I, my daughter <laughs> is celebrating her birthday tomorrow, so I hope it will come out well. Let's see. Let's see. <laughs> look at the faces. Look at the marketing. Oh, no. Of the people. Oh, no. Testimonials. Yes. All right. <laughs> Are you ready? Uh, wait. We're going to start with one. Just as a warm up, or? Oh yeah, just as a warm up. Okay. Get this thing going. I feel like I'm on the easy side of this today. All right. Ready? I got. Wait, this is either. Oh. Okay. I don't know why this is. Um, I don't have this color. I think it's too old. <laughs> so switch color. I think this is should have been either chocolate pudding or candy dog food. All right, let's go. Oh god. All right, chocolate pudding, Ray. I'm I'm so hopeful for you. Uh, ready? Yeah. Uh. Chocolate, Chocolate pudding. pudding. Yes. <laughs> All right. My first question for you: How are you doing? TV attribution. Uh, you know, Apps Flyer, great attribution platform. How are you doing? TV attribution. I'm so curious about that. So I think TV in general is um, is really changing. I think. Um, there's the world of linear TV. <laughs> you have something wrong with you here. Um, you yeah. have the world of linear TV and the more interesting actually world that we see more budget coming into of uh, connected TV. You know, CTV. Yep. So, so in CTV, it really depends on the use case okay. on the platforms, because essentially you see more platforms are being uh, created on CTV. Rockwave yep. is the best example. So you see an own ecosystem of within Roku that is created. That they, these, these guys are doing amazing stuff. Have created their own platform, their own advertising network as well. So it's pretty easy actually to measure. Depends in by the way on the conversion uh, on what you try to measure, but it's pretty straightforward. 
in the world of linear TV, it's a little bit more complicated, but we also have done a couple of good case studies with customers on that. So if I, let me just kind of imagine this linear TV world, all right? So let's say AppsFlyer to me in this, my, my mind here functions signed of like a CDP, a customer data platform. And then what you're doing is you're taking that pixel and you're sending that programmatically, let's say out to a TV where you're getting an impression and then you're matching that impression of that individual back to their pixel. And that's how you can do attribution. Is that essentially so, what's going on? on linear? Yeah, on linear, yeah. So it's more, it's more complex than that because it connects okay. with also uh, the DMA. Um, okay. So essentially we measure the lift of, so let's say uh, one of our customers is running an ad for, uh, for their app specifically. The conversion is within the app. So download the app or have a promo code within the app. So we mainly uh, measure the lift in those conversion in the time zone, in the area of, of the commercial. I see. Okay. So you're doing like an incrementality test based off of delivery. Exactly. Okay. Awesome. Now, why does B2B stink at attribution? Because I looked at all your industries, right? And I'm like, come on, baby, like, give me some B2B. Like, cause this is where I'm like, I, nobody's good at, right? I've been through visible and it's UTM hell. All it is, is just like every day, it, anytime you want to actually like, let's say you set up visible, right? And you get it all set up and then you go back to your job. And then two weeks later, you got to do a report. You go in there and it's hell every time, right? And it's broken. It takes all these hours. You have to call their support. They let you know, oh, this one UTM or this field changed in Salesforce. So, like, why is it so hard for B2B companies to do attribution? And, like, why do you guys not even try to a certain extent? You know what I mean? Like, what's that difference that you have that B2B doesn't have? And why does it work for you and it doesn't for B2B? I'll start by saying, you know, I think there are for any B2B CMO or marketing exec, uh, the, the first two problems everyone will probably say are one, B2B attribution and two, uh, marketing and sales alignment. These are like the two biggest problems I think everybody yep. has. And, and I think, you know, we are the world's leading uh, uh, B2C attribution platform. And the main difference between the two is that in B2B versus in B2C, the, the funnel is a lot more complex, is a lot more manual. Mm -hmm. the, the latest I've seen in benchmark is like 120 touch points for an enterprise deal to happen. Yeah. Not, that's not the case with consumer. And, and also the fragmentation and the different channels and the different platform combine that with usually um, not clean. I would, I would be very Gentile by saying not clean Salesforce data. <laughs> you, mean, you mean we suck at sales and RevOps? Is that what you're trying to say? No, no, not we, by the way. I think, I think, every, I think it's, it's very hard to keep that clean, especially in very large companies and very complex deal cycles. When you add the complexity of data points, of regions, of salespeople, marketing people. Marketing churn, right? You and I sell to marketers and if somebody leaves from this account and they go to this other account, how do we reconcile that new yeah. account and lead to account mapping at scale, especially in the field of marketing, right? Yeah. So combine all of that. Look, in, in consumer uh, measurement in general, right? Once you figure out the data points and you map out the flows, it's pretty straightforward. There is a big barrier of entry, but it's pretty straightforward. But add the complexity of B2B, of different sales cycles, of different touch points, of different a, lot of time market, a lot of time different attribution models and, and different like you know, waterfall models and other that are uh, clashing with each other. 
you, yeah. you usually get a miss. This is why, for example, we take a, a much more simplified approach, right? Yeah. Much more simplified. We focus on the different stages of the funnel, for example, not trying to apply the same attribution model to all types of marketing campaigns. Yeah. And I think we mainly understand, and it took us a long time, we mainly understand that it's that in B2B, when you do in scale in enterprise B2B, you can try to match every dollar that you spend into revenue. Yeah. You can't. Because if you try, you'll get into two situations. One, you're getting false outcome. Or two, which is, I think, the best case scenario out of the two. And two, which is worse, you come up with vanity metrics. You, I think you, there's a third one that's even worse, though, Rand. I want to get your opinion on because I agree with everything you're saying. I think the third one that's worse, and what I see the biggest problem in B2B today, and this is why I saw it sounds so interesting, right? Because you have this software that you can't even use yourself to a certain extent. So I'm like so curious how you like work for the attribution company, but then it doesn't work for you. You know what I mean? So you got to like juggle that as CMO because there's this third outcome, and it's that B2B is really H to H, it's really human to human. And advertising, especially if you want a lower blended CAC, requires brand awareness. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest mistake I see in these mid-market organizations that want to become market leaders is they have to manage everything at a cost per MQL or a cost per lead or a cost per SQL or a cost per op level. And what they don't realize is that they're actually experiencing diminishing marginal returns on every one of their dollars and they're getting worse and worse performance over time and they have no way of balancing it out because they won't go top of funnel because they haven't figured out how to use first party data see like my solution for this attribution issue is all my advertising runs on first party data so that i know every impression is valuable even if i don't get an action so like how do how do you balance that rand of like how do you do brand advertising even though you know you can't evaluate brand and direct response or lead generation through the same kpis how do you balance that because i think that's the biggest thing in my mind of what's hurt plaguing b2b is they can't they can't do brand advertising this is actually a fantastic question and i think it's a it's a huge problem that pushes b2b marketers to focus only on the cpx as, yes, as you said exactly. Now, look, I think it's a combination of a couple of things. I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll give you the stupidest example. We've ran you know, in the post-COVID world, which I dearly miss. Uh, we were really strong on offline events. Yeah. Exceptionally good at it. Wow. We're pretty famous for this. And so this course, is like your bread and butter, and it just poof, disappears. Yeah, 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 yeah. And a lot of those... We've actually, from like an ROI perspective, divided the desired ROI. We took the budget. Let's say an event cost one hundred thousand yeah. dollars. We took, we decided that we're going to measure on new business only, only up to fifty k out of the only like fifty percent of the cost will be implemented into the LTV modeling, because there is a and we have this crazy formula that decided how much percentage we're going to put into the measurement bucket because, yeah. In, in I remember a specific events we've ran in uh, in Paris. Yeah, it's an awesome event, awesome experience. Um, 2016, I think. Yeah. And out of this event, beside the fact that we have met with customers, 
that eventually uh, uh, did amazing upsells down the line, right? Besides the fact that we've uh, brought in uh, partners of ours that eventually it's part of our ecosystem and we were able to strengthen the relationship and all those sorts of KPIs that are not necessarily directed into your LTV calculation or ROI calculation. Yeah. And on top of that, we did something crazy. We have hired two people that attended the event and saw what an awesome vibe we give as a company and said, I want to work for this company. Now, in, in, in my wildest dreams, right, try to put in the cost of uh, hiring people, of headhunters, agencies, onboarding, all that stuff. It's like 20, 30K easy for two sales reps. It, easy. Yeah, you're being generous. Yeah, yeah. Here, I got an, a, a positive ROI event. So the the impact and, and and look, you need to combine smart data and to be being helped by data and not being like blindly led by data. Plus, Jesus Christ, this is who we are, marketers. We need to have our own instincts and feelings of the market and understanding how what's the impact. I have the most the most dumbest KPI that I used to see in events. In offline events is standing on the side of the hall for example and counting how many people are smiling do people have a good time do people enjoy do people interact do people engage for me that's worth more than anything now look yeah i can say that because i have a ceo that understand marketing yep that yep. doesn't require me to get because we think for the long term right yep. i can say that because we're successful so I'm I'm not I'm not being naive. Not everybody can say that, um, but it's 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 that instinct of ours that we must apply into the brand side. And not, it's not just brand advertising, right? It's all the brand activities that we do. How do you measure uh, PR activities? You what? Well, you try to you know you know that uh, yeah. PR agency coming back to you end of quarter with clippings. Coverage, yeah, they do the whole coverage book thing. Yeah. But, but what is the impact of the coverage, right? Do you segment Perfect. this between tier one, tier two? Do we segment this between our they show uh, the impressions, estimated views, backlink? Yeah, exactly. But it's not really the, the value, right? That's not the real value. Exactly. You can measure that, however, in specific communities on Slack, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on WhatsApp, on whatever, that you see the buzz going in. Yeah. You can measure that on, on socials. For example, we have a guy, Jonathan, God bless his soul that all of his work is focused on helping others. We're a 1,200 people company. No. All of his work is to help others promote themselves and write honest, personal content on LinkedIn. Wow. The outcome of that, talking about measurement, the outcome of that, you can see that with views, you can see that with shares, you can, he, he works with more than 100 people on an ongoing basis. And for, <laughs> it's funny, but for himself, he measures how many job, like how many people are going after those people that post stuff on LinkedIn and ask them to move over. <laughs> this is a win for him because it, it means that the person he's writing for is getting more recognition, is being more out there, being a thought leader in his industry, et cetera. Et cetera. So yeah. you can't really measure the whole thing to the dollar and you shouldn't. You should apply specific tactics into, in my opinion, specific places in the funnel. And it's not easy. I like that right now. 
It is. We need another. We need another little roulette, little jelly bean roulette over there. And I'm gonna put two of these sour candies in in solidarity right. with you. Wait. Let me. Let me get a different color. All right. Oh my God. What is this? Ah, I can't even. All right. I got this. Okay. Let's see. So this is either. I think. Strawberry banana smoothie or dead fish? Jesus. God. All right, here we go. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> this is the best episode you have ever had. <laughs> You're a man of the people, Rand. Jeez. Oh, was it really dead fish? What it was? It was more than dead. <laughs> Resonated. Oh, so Red, oh. I love your perspective, but you still don't give me a number. So I want to push a little here because I actually want to do this. Like, what I mean by that is, I really do believe a SaaS company, a technology company like AppsFlyer, if you had a hundred thousand dollars, I believe that you could put fifty k into LinkedIn conversation ads and 50K into TV commercials. And in other words, I believe like if we could as SaaS companies, established brands like yourself, leaders, could do at least 50% of spend on brand advertising, we would get better business performance. We would have better LTV CAC, we would have better acquisition costs, we have better all these things. But because you and I don't have a way of evaluating if it's working the same way we do the others, we spend based on the amount we're willing to lose we don't spend based on the amount we're trying to make. Do you get what? Like, do you see what I'm saying? We play defense, even mm -hmm. though we both in our hard hearts. You you believe marketing as a soul, just like I do. And unfortunately, where there's not many of us left, I'm being dead serious. We've optimized marketing all the way out the door with a bunch of just bun clickers who are left, and there's no soul. But we, as ourselves, don't have any confidence to elevate our soul a lot of times because it's hard to ask for more funding every quarter. Because brand's working and we need more, we need more, we need more. So how could I? Let's just use this example of TV. I'm, I want to spend 50K this quarter, but I want to go to the board and spend 250K next quarter. What would you use to evaluate pay like connected TV so that you could go back and triple, quadruple spend quarter over quarter and really scale brand advertising? What would you use? Hmm. I know I it's a little hot seat. But it's, yeah. a, it's a hard question. It's a hard question. Look. What is eventually, what is the role of marketing in a B2B SaaS company? I'm asking you, Garrett. In my mind, in the common perception of it, it's to drive SQLs for the sales team. It's essentially like you have to drive sales meetings for an SDR. Essentially what our jobs are. So, so I see it a little bit more than that. It's it's a core it's a core part of it for sure. I'll I'll reveal here our like AppSlide's marketing three objectives. Of course, I won't go into yes. the numbers, but from high level objectives. One is generate pipeline. Yep, absolutely for sure. Yep. Two is um, establish the brand for the long term, and uh, 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 it's called product positioning. Yep. All right, but let's keyword that as brand. So pipeline, brand, and three is enablement. 
and enablement, not just in the sense of sales enablement, but helping everybody in the organization, everybody in the organization. I'm going from uh, our amazing HR team if they want to, uh, you know, ramp up their hiring efforts. Yep. So we help them from the creative side, from campaign strategizing, et cetera, et cetera. The we do the same thing here, by the way. I, I love your perspective. Like this is exactly how I see it. So this is. So it's really enabling everybody, right? So yeah. pipeline, brand enablement, these are the three keywords. Now, of course that from a, I'll tell you my goal. Yeah. My personal goal, I'm, I'm here seven years. Yep. Really, really from the beginning. My goal is to be able to come to the board, as you said, at some point, to come yep. to the board and ask them for $5 million yep. to run a Super Bowl ad not because I think I want to do or we need to do a Super Bowl ad, but to be in the place that they won't laugh at my face because yep. they said, okay, it makes sense. You have a strong enough of a brand. You need to go wider and to deepen that brand empathy. And yep. it makes sense. I agree with you, by the way. I totally do agree. Like a Super Bowl commercial for a 1,200-person company that has market-leading positioning on a consumer technology space is viable. Like I actually genuinely don't think you're crazy, but the problem is, is like, we don't have a KPI to go back to the CFO with. Cause I spend over a million dollars on my own advertising as an agency and I call it research and development. Mm -hmm. Nobody does that just so you have context. Like no other agency spends like we spend. Mm -hmm. Cause I believe in everything I'm saying. Like when I say like, I, well, what do I think its role is? It's cause I've tested it. Like I know MQLs don't turn into revenue. I know SQLs do. And I know those, if I was to model, don't even work quite as well as opportunities. Mm -hmm. And that if I do a forecast on anything other than ops, I miss my number and it's inaccurate. And I try to educate our clients on it, but they still are like beholden to the beast. The beast says, give me X amount of leads. And so they're, they run around terrified as marketers because they can never dream of tomorrow because they're afraid they'll lose their job today. And that's why I'm saying we need a KPI. I don't know what it is. I've been trying because I run every campaign on this LTV CAC model, every channel, every product, every tier. And I see the LTV CAC, but I can't use that LTV CAC model for my brand stuff. It looks like crap, right? So like, I'm, I'm, I'm blind, right? I have a belief, but I'm blind for an indicator of success other than the fact that I'm the CEO and I just keep spending the money because I can, which is why you can. But what if, you know, people aren't as blessed to be in a situation like maybe you and I are in? Mm -hmm. Is there anything? Is there really anything they can do to prove that it's working? Look, there are a lot of, and I'm saying this unfortunately, there are yeah. a lot of vanity ways of measuring that, yeah. of lift and impact on Is search. Regression analysis from impressions to revenue or something or yeah. on you name it. Yeah. And you can pay a lot of companies a lot of money when you run a $1 million uh, brand campaign you know, it sounds small to pay uh, 70K for someone to help you measure that impact, right? Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's a friction. So you say, okay, I, I, I need to do this. Otherwise I can justify it. Yeah. And there are, actually I've heard from um, one of the uh, marketing executives at Slack that it did really, really well on a city and state level in the US. They've run several... Oh brand like TV ads campaign on a state level, very targeted. So they have to geofence it and then try to look at lifts. it and then look at lifts and you, you, yeah. you can do that, right? 
It's very yeah. expensive. It's very, it's very complex, right? Um, I, I unfortunately, honestly, Garrett, I, I, I don't know. You know, I'm either. I was hoping you told me. I mean, I've, I've dedicated my life to this. I spend a million of my own money. It's, you know what I mean? And I still don't have anything. I don't know. I don't. You know, find a CEO that believes in you. That's that's what I did. <laughs> I think, it, and that's the same thing. Dave Gerhardt and a lot of the other people, I think, that are seeing a lot of success in marketing. It's like the the sayings, right? Life's too short to work for a CEO. It doesn't get marketing. I think the word "get" is confusing. I would choose the word believe more than get because what is get? Yeah, yeah, I get it. But then when it comes to decision day, they don't give you the budget. It, it's it's really yeah. being the same mindset. And 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 again, I'm very fortunate to be working with a CEO who is a friend also, you know, yeah. for the last seven years who believes in what we do. And he believes in a very, very long-term mission. And we publicly state that revenue for us is secondary. It's not yeah. normal for a, a SaaS business. Yeah, no, it is cool. And it gives you a perspective then. And it's literally, it's so funny. So I tell my team, it's like, I mean, we don't do this for the revenue. I want to have the best agency in the world with deliverables. Like we should turn every client into a case study. I think that's something similar to what you all are trying to accomplish. Now, I'm looking at your strategy. You've got this free plan. Yeah. I'm very curious for you, this free work. In the sense that, you know, like I know a lot of people are doing it, but I'm seeing less and less of it. And no one's actually talking about this. This isn't really a trend anyone's discussing. But freemium is becoming less and less popular and it's dying in the shadows. It's not like this, it's every time about product led and all this other stuff. And always talking about the fact that freemium is slowly dying. How do you see freemium and like what's your perspective of it today and for tomorrow? Yeah, that's a good question. I think wait, like like let's take this before. <laughs> You're done with the dead I'm fish. Not, I'm, I'm done with the dead fish. fish. <laughs> no, I'm right there with you. I'm done with that fish. Premium. So, we've actually um, launched our free product, the Zero Plan, at the beginning of COVID. As, as a way to help marketers that all of a sudden, and it, it wasn't just the free product, but we've, we had this whole campaign, I think it was May 2020, this whole campaign around zero budget marketing, right? You as a marketer right now, it was really at the beginning, right? Uh, yeah. March, April, May. You got cut. Your, your, your world has been, you know, shaken. And all of a sudden, you don't, you know, your CEO comes to you, whatever comes to you, and hey, Mr. Marketing, you have, you stop the budget for now, right? Yeah. Let's, let's think about the most obvious case in airline. Stop budgets. Right. And a marketing person, the ones that were fortunate enough to keep their jobs saying, okay, I, I still need to do marketing. Right. How do I leverage my own media, yep. my CRM, my, my, my loyalty programs, wh whatever it may be and, and earn media, right. That was still out there. It can do st still very sophisticated stuff from a PR perspective, backlinking SEO, et cetera. And and this was actually the reason why we've, you know, we were like, hey, guys, zero budget marketing. We give you this free tool that focuses on own media and measuring own media and just go at it. Right. And we never we, we the cap was big and, and it was it was a good success. We saw really good success of it. Now, what you're saying is true. And 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 we, you know, we haven't really even optimized that funnel. 
Because that right. activation rate, I think that is why they're stopping, right? Because they get all these free signups, everybody gets in, but then they struggle to get them from free to paying, right? And I think that's exactly. the risk. Exactly. Look, a lot of companies, let's be honest. First of all, there's more money in the market. More money in the market, which means the um, the receptiveness of a buyer to pay premiums is higher, in my opinion. Yeah. And more money coming in, uh, uh, buyers feel more confident to pay premium. So vendors go up market and yep. close those free ways in, right? And, and again, I'm not talking about the product like growth, foot yeah, yeah. in the door type of product that has completely different strategy. Yep. So, so, so for us, it was really like more of a COVID help to help marketers in the days of no budget. And yep. we just kept it because yeah. we, didn't, we didn't see a negative impact on the business. And it was really something to help. And, and, and now it's more aimed for the more indie developers that tr start building their apps and they can just test our tool. Big community, right? Like me, I don't have a free service, but I built a Slack community that I participate in. And anyone can DM me and I'm active in daily because it's my way of giving back and it's a way of building a brand as a premium yeah. vendor, right? For us, I only have a hundred clients or something. So I don't have a big brand. So how do you get recognition in a vertical if you can only work with a premium set? So we launched a community. Is that a part of it too for you? Is that community sent and like you can get people in early? It, it wasn't intended to be, right? Okay. It was yeah. really from like a, a, a straightforward place of, hey, you know, you, you lost your budgets. We, we, you know, we helped a lot. It was of more of a campaign initially. It was like a campaign okay. concept. I'm sorry? It was like a campaign concept to start for you. It, like it, it was started like, oh, as a campaign. It started yeah. as a campaign and people loved it. So we just kept it. It's, it's really that. simple as that. Yeah. I love that. I had one last thing that I want to unpack with you because it's something I've been playing around with a lot. I'd love to get your perspective of it. Sure. I saw a, a quote from, I think it was Darmesh uh, at HubSpot. Mm -hmm. And he said something that completely blew my mind and I thought was brilliant. Never even talked about. And he said, we all in B2B do LTV wrong. And this couldn't be truer for me. And I bet you it's true for you. In the sense that we need to do human LTV, contact LTV, not account. Because mm. our, our point of – so for me, right? Like you know this. Just maybe even instinctually. Like the Bay Area and marketing is incestuous. Like I get a, like I, somebody hires me at Seminole one, the next day they work for silence. And then the next day they work for CrowdStrike and they just bring us to all three, right? Like that's kind of like the way it works. Yet all of our LTV models are based off of this account or initial deal level, even though the lifetime value is actually held at the champion level, not the decision maker level. The lifetime value of a deal is held at the person who your point of contact is. And then I noticed in your platform, you do uh, like individual attribution. You do person like person level attribution. How does B2B, how can we in B2B do a better job of doing like contact level LTV instead of account level LTV or deal level LTV? Because I think you and I could create a much more effective understanding of the monetization of our spend is if we built our LTV model based on contact, mm -hmm. not deal or account yeah. what's your take on that first of all I'll stand correct the what you refer to is people-based attribution 
Yeah. Um, it's it's a it's a, an old product of ours that evolved since, but but it's not about a person specific attribution or how we call it in the industry user level attribution. Okay. I think uh, uh, this is the status quo that thankfully is gone from the world from uh, from privacy preserving perspective. Thankfully, yeah. and I think the world is moving to more towards more of an aggregated type of looking at chords, etc. So that just on that side. On the B2B side, on the B2B side, you know, I got pitched last week probably by a company. And I'm sorry that I if you're hearing this, I'm sorry I didn't reply. I I, I, do, I do. That had a software, I can remember the name, but had a software that helps me understand my current customers and when they move to another company, right? Like get the, the the instant notifications into Salesforce to Slack. Et cetera, yeah, Pyramid does that. Yeah. That person that person moved to from from your customer X to your prospect Y. Right here's an it's, a, it's a buying trigger. I, I use that myself with our data provider. Zoom Info has a product like that. Clearbit has a product like that, and it helps you know. Yeah, yeah, pretty straightforward. It wasn't either of them, but pretty straightforward. So so I do I you know let's call this feature. Or this LTV modeling, extended LTV, right? Because the LTV that you're getting from this account, you know, you've closed one an account, 100k, right? Awesome. The person, the champion who've chosen you, maybe even championed for you in, internally, have moved yep. to a new account. Let's call it 50k. Yep. That's, that's the use case. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly the use case, right? And I found it to be very true for my business. I get an account initially. And that person stays with me. So the LTV from a relationship can oftentimes for me be $3 million while the LTV from a deal might be 150 to 300 K. Yeah. You know, from a measurement perspective, I don't want to even go into this. I, it, <laughs> it's insane. But from an LTV perspective, look, I see more than ever because I'm fortunate to be in two hats, the buyer and the seller. This is when you when you market to marketers, you market as a seller and you buy as a marketer. Yep, exactly. And and I I see this in first hand that the most important part of marketing right now is personal recommendation, word to mouth, closed communities, right? Yep. If I now evaluate a tool, I am in like five WhatsApp slash Telegram, whatever groups, yeah. and I'm not even. Ta I'm talking about the evolution, by the way, of the G2 and trust radius of the world. Yep. This yep. is taking recommendation to a more intimate, trustworthy place yeah. of closed yep. communities. I have an awesome community. I'm a part of called GCMO. It's a like all the 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 VP, like the marketing executives in Israel that are marketing uh, globally. Awesome group. That. Right. We have a WhatsApp group. We have meetups. Awesome group. And if I'm asking about a vendor, about a tool, I'm gonna go ask in this group. I'm gonna go ask in Revenue Collective. Yep. Or Pavilion, they, they rebranded. I'm gonna go ask um, my one of my best friends who's also VP Marketing at a tech company. Yep. Now, I, I do this, this extended LTV scenario is true, this is why for example, here we uh, uh, one of our we only have four principles. One of them is customer obsessed. 
And the reason we focus on the customers, our customer success team is the best in the world. I'm envious of our customers of getting the service they get from here because I never get that from my vendor. <laughs> I never yeah. get that. I never get that. I wish. And, and these guys have their KPIs is about not about upsells, not about retention. They're, they move away from the dollar sign. They focus on relationships. And those relationships, the really deep, personal, technical relationships we have with customers, the next uh, um, app that they're or brand that they're going to move to, they're probably going to take us because we know they know we're there. They know they can trust us on a personal and professional level. They know we're helping them developing their careers. We know that we help them be a better marketer within their companies. They can prove better ROI. So, so again, a, a little bit like the zero budget marketing thing that we've talked about, it started as really um, authentically and, and evolved into a, a strategy. It goes the same way here. Yeah. Focus on the customer because as you said, the customer is gonna move to another customer and to another customer and to another customer. So the yeah. LTV modeling is, is I think unlimited in this. In this. Yeah. Because it's so transactional right now. And if we could do relational LTV instead of transactional LTV, I think it could help a lot of advertisers who still have low price products and can't spend effectively, especially on maybe uh, certain channels that don't have intent, like a LinkedIn mm -hmm. or something. And so I think there's a lot to it. But Rand, this has been phenomenal. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, your experience, and for eating dead fish. No one's done that before. Very impressive. Happy and to. thanks for being on the show. If anyone wants to follow along with uh, you and Apps Flyer, what's the best way for them to do it? Uh, what's the best? AppsFlyer.com. Yeah. Hit me up on LinkedIn. Ron at AppsFlyer.com. That's my email. I try to answer that. I love it. Well, hey, thanks so much for being on the show. And that's Sour Sass, everybody. Bye. Thank you.